To answer is human, to question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Welcome back to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. I am your host, Justin Williams. Now, before we get started with this week's show, I just want to ask if you haven't done so already, please like and subscribe to the show on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This will be a tremendous help for us to reach an even larger audience across all platforms. As always, your support is greatly appreciated, and I thank you all. Today's guest is an award winning author. He's also a professional actor and entrepreneur. Today, we'll be discussing his days as a corporate spy, as well as his latest book titled Ruse, Lying the American Dream from Hollywood to Wall Street. Robert Kerbeck, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How you doing, man? Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Talk about (laughs) spying, spying, spying. Yeah, spy, man. And, you know, before we hit record here, I, I, I told you that you've had a f- phenomenal career and you, you kind of corrected me there. You said more like a, a crazy, crazy career. So I know we're going to get into <laughs> to all that. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, before we, you know, dig deep into those things, if you could just take a few moments to tell the audience uh, a little bit about yourself in regard to, you know, how, how you came up. And I know you 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 moved, actually you grew up on the East Coast. You went to college on the East Coast, and then you found yeah. your way to to the uh, Los Angeles area at some point, right? Yeah. So I I grew up in Philly, um, and uh, I fell in love with acting in college, and so I moved to New York to be an actor. And of course, actors need survival jobs. Who stumbles into a career as a corporate spy? But that's what happened to me. And while I was acting and I, you know, did, you know, 50 major TV shows and worked with Paul Newman and George Clooney and Al Pacino and all these great actors. But I still, you know, even though I was working as an actor, I I still needed kind of a secondary job. And that was this corporate spying job. So even when I moved out to L.A. and did all kinds of TV shows, I was still doing this corporate spying job. And um, we can talk about what corporate spying is and how that works in a second. But um so I was corporate spying in L.A. And then at a certain point, you know, um, you know, the authorities started coming after me and, uh, you know, it got pretty heavy, got pretty intense. And, you know, this is all the story of the book Ruse. 
And obviously now I've written a book about all of these crazy hijinks and shenanigans and danger and celebrities and beautiful women and swimsuit models. And can I say anything more than that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Wow. Okay. So you're, you're out in the LA area, you know, you, you're into acting and you, you take this job to kind of support your, your lifestyle, your, your, you know, your supplement your income, if you will. And uh, how did you even find out about it? Was it like word of mouth, buddy, or, or what That's was it? That's a great question. Yeah. So when I moved to New York, I only knew one person in, in Manhattan. It was my college roommate's brother. And so he was kind of showing me the ropes. And one day he mentioned this job that he had, and then he shut up right away. Like he knew he'd been told, don't talk about this. Don't tell anybody about this. And I said, whoa, dude, dude, what, what is this job? I'm broke. Help me out. And so he very reluctantly got me an interview and I go to the Upper East Side, which as your listeners may or may not know, is kind of the old money part of Manhattan, Upper East Side, very wealthy, doorman building. I go up to the penthouse. I was living in Hell's Kitchen in a cave with two other guys. So, you know, here I am wow. now in the penthouse of this Upper East Side, you know, gorgeous building. And this woman ushers me into the nicest apartment I'd ever been into and um, we have this very strange interview. She never tells me anything about the job. She never asks me anything about my skills. She sends me on my way. Um, next day, my buddy calls me and he says, you got hired, but don't get too excited because she hires everyone because no one is able to do this job. And the next day I went for training and I began to learn that what we were hired to do, the woman only hired actors because she needed people that could create characters they could do voices, they could do accents, and they would use these tricks, these ruses to convince people inside major corporations to release secret and private information, which was worth, forget about millions of dollars, tens of millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars, which then she would sell to that company's biggest rival. Wow. So this information, uh, obviously top secret, confidential company information and they would then sell it to the rivals. So the rivals would get it and then maybe what, how, how would the rivals use it? Would they use it to yeah. beat that other company to the punch? Totally. The, so, you know, okay. let's say, let's say you're a company and you're, you know, you're number seven in your industry rankings, right? So you're going to mm -hmm. hire a spy to go after number one, right? Number one or number two, maybe. So then you're going to find out, you know, I'm a big football fan. So I, I think of it like, imagine if you could get the playbook on your opponent two or three days before the big game. You knew every play they were going to run. You knew every formation. Imagine how valuable that would be to winning, right? And mm -hmm. same thing in corporate America. If, if, if I could find out what your new products are, um, you know, how much you're going to charge for those products, uh, what you pay your people, who your top people are, we would find out the internal rankings because something your listeners may or may not know is Every corporation has a metric that they use to rank their own employees, and we would learn what that was. So mm. we could tell who the corporations valued. Then we would figure out what they were getting paid, and so we could find the ideal people for our clients to steal, right? Um, and we would learn if a company was planning on expanding, were they going to open a new office, were they firing people, anything and everything that would basically give arrival the playbook to poaching some top talent learning about new products you know one example i use is imagine like steve jobs legendary ceo of apple um apple is one of the most famous companies in the world for secrecy they are incredible in terms of guarding corporate secrets imagine if you could identify the names of the 
iPad designers in the early days of the iPad and then steal one or two of those people. How much money would that have been worth, right? Right, right. right. And to show you how how um, adamant Steve Jobs was about securities, he would not even let the Apple designers be listed in the corporate directory because he did not want them being stolen. <laughs> wow. So obviously this is something that's been going on for a long time. Now, do all companies, all cor- big corporations do this? So is it is it uncommon or should I say, is it common to have maybe one or two spies at one company and their competitors, they have a spy at their company and this Absolutely. other company? Over- Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you know, somebody, God. somebody, somebody asked me the other day on an interview, they said, Robert, do most companies hire spies? I say, no, most companies do not hire spies. All companies hire spies. All companies hire spies. Every one. Wow. Wow. Now, now they're not going to do it directly. They they almost always do it through an intermediary firm. So, for example, consulting firms. So a firm will hire a major consulting firm. The consulting firms are often hiring the spies. Or a company okay. will hire a major executive recruiting firm. That executive recruiting firm is hiring spies. And that way, if they catch Robert and they go, Robert, who hired you? And I say, oh, it was XYZ Company. XYZ Company is going to go, oh, we don't even know who this guy is. We never hired him. We never of paid him course. anything, right? right? So they have you know, that plausible deniability. Wow, that is and insane. And I talk, I talk about all of this in the book you know, so that you get to see you know, how nefarious corporations are, how down and dirty, cutthroat they are, and the lengths that they're willing to go to to find out anything and everything they can about their rivals, including salacious information. You know, did XYZ uh, CEO uh, get arrested for drunk driving? Uh, is he cheating on his wife? You know, uh, you know, is he sleeping with an intern? Uh, you know, and that could be a, a very uh, compromising situation for the firm. You know, all of these things, anything that could directly impact a firm's bottom line and stock price, rivals mm. want to know. Wow! So you are literally the NSA, CIA of the corporate world, if you will. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, and you know. <laughs> I've done a couple events with um, former CIA spy Valerie Plame. Valerie and I went to high school together. Now, think about that for a second. What are the odds that two spies went to the same small Philadelphia area high school, but it's a true story. And Valerie, Valerie and I have done a lot of events. And of course, she talks about political spying. I talk about corporate spying. And then we talk about the dangerous, the very dangerous intersection of those two. Mm, Very good. Very good. So, Robert, walk me through a typical day, right? I, I imagine this would be a lot of phone calls, a lot of in, in-face, in-person meetings and different things like that. Um, how, how would how would your day go? Walk me through that, please. Yeah, yeah, no. So um, in the beginning, when we first started doing this, we would go in person and we would go to bars. We would go to events. You know, we would go to a hockey game, a basketball game, the U.S. Open, you know. Um, we would go to conferences to try to get people to tell us things in person that they shouldn't tell us. But what we quickly learned was, (laughs) excuse me, that we were able to get far more information using the anonymity of the good old fashioned social engineering phone call, what I call Mm -hmm. a ruse call. You know, so for example, this is Gerhardt calling from the office in Frankfurt, Germany. We have some European union regulators here and we need some information from the States. Right, because corporations now are based everywhere. Right, they have offices yeah. in Germany, in London, in Tokyo, and so you could be from anywhere. So if I call someone, 
using this accent, saying I'm this guy, Gerhardt, who, who in this example really exists. Let's say he's the head of compliance for Europe. Well, the, you're on the other end of the line. What are you going to say? You're going to go, oh, hey, hey, Gerhard, buddy, what's going on? What, what do you need? How can I help you? Right? Because what are we taught in, corpor- in the corporate world? We're taught to be a good teammate, right? So if the head of compliance for Europe calls you on the phone, even if his story sounds a little strange, do, are you thinking that someone's calling you and putting on a fake German accent? Of course nah, not. No, no. No. So you're helping Gerhard. Gerhard says he forgot his password and he needs you to log in. You're logging in using your password. You're telling him anything and everything he wants to know. If you don't know something that he asks you, you put me on hold. You call and you find out and you come back and go, hey, I got the answer for you, Gerhardt. Right? And I say, wow. <laughs> wow, Justin, you're a great oh, – Justin, you are the best. Yeah, sehr gut. You know? And so all of a sudden now we're friends and I'm getting you to basically be my internal mole for me and you don't even know it. Wow. Goodness, man. Goodness. Question for you, Robert. Now, you know, I, I've known my fair share of law enforcement uh, people over the years. And some of those people, both men and women, they they have an, a challenge turning it on and off. Like, you know, they call them, you know, mm-hmm. this person's a cop 24-7, right? So at any point, did your professional life maybe merge with your personal life? Because obviously in your professional life, you had to be very, very sneaky and you know, uh, just kind of, you know, being there, but not there, if you will. Uh, did that ever, did you ever have those issues in your, in your, uh, your personal life with, in that regard? Uh, well, that's a fantastic question. And yeah, it was, it was a real challenge, but one of the things that I decided early on, because look, I knew that this job was ethically challenging to say the least. And in the book, I reckon a lot with the moral issue of the book. I'm, I'm not here to tell you that I'm proud of what I did, though. I think it is a hell of a funny, crazy, insane story. Um, but I, I drew the line and I said, look, you know, I'm lying on the phone. I'm tricking people into giving me this information. And I rationalized it because, oh, I'm calling a Wall Street firm getting this information. Like, boo-hoo for them. They're ripping off consumers all the time. And again, that's not to justify it. That was my rationalization. But I didn't want to take it into my personal life. And so I was really aware that I, I could not go around lying to my friends, you know, lying to, you know, uh, you know, people outside of this job, right? So it was kind of like when the ruse day ended, then it was like, okay, no more, you know, no more BSing. <laughs> you got to, you know, you just got to be a straight up, try to be a straight up good person as best you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I, I drew the line on was um, a lot of times as I was getting these secrets, I would learn things that the firm was up to in terms of mergers, and, and acquisitions. Okay. And um, that potentially could have involved insider trading if I had ever traded on that information. Um, clearly, I could have made insane amounts of money because I was learning about merger activity before the mergers even happened, before anybody knew about them. Mm-hmm. But I knew that, you know, while this rusing thing certainly is either straight up illegal or quasi illegal, and we can talk about that. But for sure, insider trading is illegal. And look, they even got Martha Stewart on insider trading, right? Yes, they so did. Yeah. Insider trading, you you do not want to mess with insider trading. And so that was another thing that even when I would hear those things, I was like, no, no, no. That mm-hmm. information goes in one ear and out the other. Right, right, right. So obviously, we're, we're talking corporation versus corporation. Do you ever recall an experience where there were two corporations that maybe were looking to merge and they would look to get information from maybe that that third corporation. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, there were so many crazy stories where one corporation would hire me to spy on them. And then a month later, I get a call from the other corporation to spy on the other corporation, (laughs) you know, and, you know, because my, my assignment had ended with the first corporation, I, I had no you know reason not to take the next assignment. Now I wasn't going to spy for two companies uh, that were spying on, on each other at the same time. I never took an assignment like that, but it was very common that shortly thereafter, I end, I, when I ended one spying project, the same company I had just been spying on hired me to spy on the prior person that had hired me. That happened all the time, and it was very funny. Damn, <laughs> that's something. That is something right there. So did you tell your friends and family what you did? Were they aware? Or no. it was just completely, nobody knew? Okay. Nobody, okay. nobody knew except for my wife. Okay. Um, for obvious reasons, um, right. she was the only one I knew if, you know, if you and I were at a party and you asked me what I did, maybe if I'd had a drink, I might say I was in corporate intelligence. And then when you asked me what that meant, I'd say, Justin, you seem like a really nice guy. And if I told you, I'd have to take you out back and shoot you. And, uh, and then we would laugh and joke. And then that would be all I would say. That would be as far as I would go. Wow. <laughs> That's, I like that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, Robert, I've heard that the, the Chinese have um, thoroughly penetrated the American corporate sector. Um, if true, how has that occurred and what has been done to mitigate it at all? Well, you know, I think it's a real challenge because here in the United States, um, we're a country built on immigrants. We're a country <clears throat> built on people coming from other places and bringing their intelligence, their drive, uh, their blood, sweat, and tears to make our country better, right? And so mm-hmm. we don't like to tell people that are really smart and really talented and really hardworking. We don't like to tell them no. And yet sometimes those people come over here, these smart, hardworking, uh, driven people, and they come over and their purposes are not positive. And in many mm-hmm. cases, um, especially with the Chinese, there have been a number of individuals who have been caught um, working mainly at tech firms, um, and they're stealing information from those tech firms, which they're then giving to the Chinese government. Um, and so clearly that is a major issue because a lot of times the same technology that is being used, uh, let's say in the tech industry, can also be used in, in the weapons industry, right? Obviously, because so many weapons now are, are you know, driven by advanced technology, right? Yeah, so right. It, it's a real problem and it's something the government and especially in particular the tech industry and the manufacturing industry have to be, uh, you know, vigilant, um, in terms of screening individuals. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Good answer, man. Good answer. Now my audience is, they're definitely going to buy the book and I don't want you to, to, to play spoiler here. I want you to say some things for them, but if you can, mm-hmm. if you could give us one, maybe two crazy situations that you were in, uh, maybe some of the more memorable ones. Well, you know, um, Recently, this uh, man died. His name is Kevin Mitnick. Um, He died last week. And Kevin, back in the mid-90s, was considered, they called him the Darth Vader of the hacking world. And and Mm -hmm. for a long time, people didn't even know his name. Um, And he was hacking into major corporations, um, basically learning anything he wanted to about their technical capabilities, right? And at one point the FBI uh, and every other agency that has three letters in their name um, stumbled onto my trail, me and my buddy, the guy who originally got me the job. And they thought that we were Kevin Mitnick, who at the time was being hunted by everyone. 
And so that, you know, again, I don't want to spoil it for your re- your readers or listeners because the book is on Audible. Um, cool. But you can imagine when you're an actor and you're just doing this as a survival job and all of a sudden people are hunting you that are talking about jail for the rest of your life. Um, it was really, really frightening. It was really goodness. And fortunately for us, unfortunately for Kevin, shortly this after they were coming after us, they did find Kevin. And I think once they found Kevin, it kind of threw them off of our trail because they're like, okay, we got our guy. And they were so busy patting themselves on the back that they kind of let us go. Um, but Kevin was arrested as a domestic terrorist and went to jail for many years and was, and was in solitary confinement for many years. So we really uh, dodged a bullet in, in that situation. Um, That is crazy, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then we, then we started to make some moves to kind of insulate ourselves and we started to learn how to protect ourselves better. We did not stop. Um, And I'm here to tell you that I went from, you know, this job started out, we were making $8 an hour. And by the end of it, I was considered to be the world's greatest corporate spy, and I was making $2 million a year. Ooh, goodness. And how many years did you do it total? You know, that's a good question. I'd have to go back and kind of look. But it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, uh, 15 plus years. Wow, man. Um, Okay. Yeah. And and I I only stopped um, right around the crash of 2008. I had a child, and and one day my child heard me on the phone and, and said, Dad, are you a hacker? And I said, no, 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 I'm not a hacker. You know, I'm getting information. You know, it's part of the corporate world. You know, it helps to get people to get better jobs. You know, it's just part of capitalism. And my kid said, but it's dishonest. And I said, yeah, you're right. And that was the moment when I was like, I have to get out of this business. I can't keep doing this anymore. Got it, got it. And then I, I, you know, extracted myself and, and I have written the book obviously. And, but I had to wait for the statute of limitations to expire on any crimes that I may or may not have committed. Right. Now that that statute has has expired, I can write this tell all this expose about the world of corporate espionage. Excellent, man. Excellent. You know, it kind of reminds me of John Perkins. Have you ever heard of John Perkins? He's the guy. Yeah. yeah. Yes. (laughs) He wrote, he wrote confessions of an economic hitman. Yes. exactly. And John was kind enough. John gave me a blurb for my book. Oh, wow. Excellent, man. Very cool. Justin, you're the very first person to put that together. Kudos to you. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're a smart dude. Hey, man, I try. I try. <laughs> thank you. Thank you much. Thank you much. And then, okay, that's great. Now, I just want to touch really quick on your other book as well. Tell us about that book. Obviously, um, uh, Malibu Burning, right? This mm. came out uh, a few years back, and I just want to make let our audience know that that book's available to them as well. Can you kind of give us a, a quick minute or two uh, breakdown of that one? Yeah. So, you know, Malibu Burning is the story of the terrible wildfire we had, obviously, a couple of years here. I'm sure your your audience is aware uh, it was the worst wire, wildfire in L.A. history. It burned down half of Malibu, um, almost burned down all of Malibu. And um, my on my street, uh, we lost 17 of 19 houses. In my neighborhood, we lost 200 of 270 homes. To give you a sense of how bad it is, I mean, basically every third home, uh, two out of every three homes burned. Um, we fought the fire and saved our house. Um, it was a, obviously uh, we put our lives at stake to do that. The LA Times asked me to write an essay about that experience, which I did. Then a publisher read that essay and he asked me to write a book about the fire. And so 
I covered the fire from all the different angles, you know, where it started, why it started, um, but mainly focusing on the resilience of the community and the people that stayed behind and did incredible things to prevent the whole town from burning down, which it would have. Um, and, you know, everybody thinks Malibu is this uh, town where everybody is rich or famous. And I'm here to tell you that's not the case. You know, maybe the the people that live on the ocean side of the Pacific Coast Highway, sure. But people that live on the land side of the Pacific Coast Highway, up in the hills and the nooks and crannies of Malibu, they're regular everyday people, retired teachers and firefighters and, and cops. And, and those were the people that lost their homes. And those were the people that stayed behind and helped each other and prevented the whole town from burning down. So so that's kind of what the book's about. And, and there's some also some great celebrity stories in there, you know, about celebrities homes either burning or not burning you know miley cyrus bob dylan barbara streisand kevin dylan uh from uh, entourage um he there's a whole chapter about him staying behind and saving people's homes and here's this guy wow. you know the star of a major tv show he's been the star of many tv shows and he's risking his life to save his neighbor's home some of the neighbors he didn't even know um, wow. but because it was it was important very honorable. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So Malibu burning. And of course, we have Ruse lying the American dream from Hollywood to Wall Street. Robert, can you take a quick minute to let everyone know where they can find the book, uh, any social media, websites, etc.? Oh, thank you. You know, I always tell people, um, just go to my website. It's easy. It's my name, Robert Kerbeck, K-E-R-B-E-C-K.com. And, you know, there's no filters. If you email me from the site, I will respond. If you want to pivot into a new career as a corporate spy, uh, I will show you, tell you how to do it. Um, I can't tell you how many people have reached out on that one. And I, I, I say, okay, here's what you need to do. Um, because I'm here to tell you corporations are desperate for corporate spies, especially since I left the business. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of work out there. A lot of work out there. That's awesome. So obviously you did that full time, right? But there are opportunities for people to kind of moonlight, do part time work in that regard, yeah, too. Huh? Absolutely. Okay. And that's what I would recommend to anybody is, you know, before you, you quit your main day job, um, take a look as, at this as like a side gig, a side hustle. And if it turns out you're good at it and you start getting clients, uh, each client you pick up, you can charge a little bit more, charge a little bit more. And then eventually, you know, you too may be making millions of dollars a year because one of the most shocking things about writing this book was, so I write this book, I out myself as a corporate spy. I basically put a target on my back that says corporate spy. I cannot tell you how many corporations reached out to me after the <laughs> book came out and said, Robert, we read your book or we listened to your book and we want to hire you to spy for us. Wow. And I said, look, that's very nice of you, but you do realize that I've outed myself as a spy. I wouldn't be a very smart spy if I outed myself and went right back to spying, you know, but uh, they did not care. They just want the information. They're desperate for information, secret information on their rivals. So like I said, if your listeners are looking to pivot, um, reach out to my website and I'll do the best I can to guide you. That's awesome, man. What a niche industry, man. I'm sure you'll I get know. some contacts. That's for sure, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, one final question for you, man. And by the way, this has been a great interview. I love your energy and, and just so interesting. But uh, my, my last question, man, is something I ask each and every guest that appears on the Hidden Gateway podcast. And that's simply to leave our listeners with what I like to call a token of love, right? It's simply something that you think that they need to hear right now in this very moment as they continue their personal journeys. 
Yeah, you know, so obviously I didn't set out to be a corporate spy, right? When I was, even before I was an actor, I was an English major in college. And so what's crazy about my life is I was an English major in college, but I never really wrote anything. I couldn't, I was a young guy, couldn't sit still in a chair to write. And here I am all these years later, and now I'm writing books, ruses in development for a TV series. Um, You know, I've got people asking me to write articles for magazines all the time. And so, you know, I've, I've circled back to the life that I always wanted to have and and wished I'd I'd had, right? And it's because I took the journey that I took. And so what I'm going to tell your listeners is take the journey you want to take. Don't take the journey that your parents want you to take, that your spouse wants you to take, that your boss wants you to take. Take the journey you want to take because it's your life. Oh, man, that's awesome, man. Take the journey that you want to take. Live for yourself, not for anyone else. That's that's great, man. Thank you so much for that, Robert. And thank you for being a guest here on the Hidden Gateway podcast. Uh, great episode, man. Very informative. And once again, I'm going to tell the audience, go get the book, Ruse, Lying the American Dream from Hollywood to Wall Street. Check him out on his website. Simply Google his name if you have to. Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T, last name Kerbeck, K-E-R-B-E-C-K. We're going to have everything in the show notes for everybody. But thank you all again for another week of the Hidden Gateway podcast. As always, stay connected with us directly at thehiddengateway.com. Shoot us an email at support at thehiddengateway.com. And thank you as always for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This will conclude this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, Be love and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.